Welcome to the Chosen People Radio Program, a production of Chosen People Ministries. On this program, you'll hear inspiring stories, learn about messianic apologetics, and discover God's plan for Israel and you. Now let's welcome our hosts, Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries, and Robert Walter, our New York Regional Director. Shalom, dear friends. This is Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries. I'm so glad that you've chosen to spend a little bit of time with us so that we can share what's on our heart, what God's put on our heart, what we've learned about the Lord through His Word. And with me is our New York Regional Director, Robert, or Bobby Walter. And uh, call him Bobby. He likes that better. And uh, Bobby is very busy in uh, Brooklyn, uh, not just eating bagels and pizza, but enjoying the good work that God has given to us in reaching somewhere over three-quarters of a million Jewish people uh, with the gospel. Any Anything happening in Brooklyn these days, Bobby? Oh, absolutely, Mitch. And, uh, you know, stay very busy, not just pizza and bagels, but also Chinese food and pastrami. Ah, uh, yes. And cheesecake, and cheesecake. Uh, come do a short-term mission. It'll be the only missions trip you take where you gain weight. <laughs> right. So, Mitch, shalom, and shalom to all of our listeners out there. As always, we're incredibly grateful that you're joining us. And we're very excited about this uh, because we are starting a brand new series. Isn't that right, Mitch? We are starting a brand new series. And it's a sensitive kind of a series in many different ways uh, because we're going to start a series on the names of God. And hopefully we'll be close to 15 sessions with you. And we'll be looking at some of the various names for God. But as a Jewish person being raised in a traditional Jewish home, uh, oftentimes the most popular name for God that I used was Hashem, Mm. which means, Bobby, what? It means the name. The name. (laughs) And so uh, in Jewish tradition, the name of God, uh, uh, usually spoken of as Jehovah, the name of God is so holy that you do not even say it. And so uh, we usually just say Hashem, the name. And so in a strange sort of way, uh, the names of God is a little bit downplayed in the Jewish community, Mm. not because people aren't interested in the names of God, but just because we're so used to not using the names of God. And as you'll see, many of the names of God are compound names. And so quite a few of them, just imagine a little dash between Jehovah and another Hebrew word that spells out one of the characteristics or qualities of God's nature. And so, so often you don't say these names. Uh, You read them in the Bible, but you don't speak them. And so I grew up with even another one, which was a good one, was Adoshem. You ever use that one, Bobby? That was uh, very rarely. That was a big one. That's a combination of Lord and name. But why should we study the names for God? Why even talk about uh, the names of God? When we study the names of God in Scripture, both in the Old and the New Testament, it's important that when we speak about the names of God, we understand that what we're talking about are windows into the very character and nature of God. The names of God reveal the character of God. Yeah. You know, Mitch, that that reminds me of what one of my professors once said when I was studying biblical languages, Hebrew and Greek. Um, They said that words don't have meaning 
but meaning has words. <laughs> and good. when we think about like the names of God, that's that's in essence what we have going on here. We God has this character; He has these characteristics already, and they're packaged in these words, in these names, and given to us so that we can understand, so that we can get a glimpse into who God is. I love chapter fifty-five in Isaiah. My ways are not your ways; my thoughts are not your thoughts. And it and when you try and squeeze the nature and character of God into human brains. I mean, it, that's, that is just difficult. I was once talking with a rabbi, and so we, we had this thing going, and then we walked away because it was getting, it was almost Shabbat. Mm -hmm. He had to get home, I had to get home, and as we're walking, you know, we're still going at it. And then uh, finally, he looks at me and he says, look, you believe that Jesus is God? I said, yeah, that's true. He says, how can you believe in the Trinity? He says, that makes God so complicated. Hmm. And I looked at him and I said, so if you don't believe in the Trinity, are you saying God is uncomplicated? He smiled at me and he said, ah, Shabbat Shalom. You know? <laughs> good, good Sabbath. You know? So we're not overly complicating the nature of God or the character of God, the beauty of it all is that God takes the initiative to reveal himself to mankind. Mm -hmm. It is God making himself knowable. He did that in the person of Yeshua, Jesus. He did that in his word by inspiring human writers to go beyond what they were capable of and to pen the word of God. He did it from Mount Sinai. So we have a God who, if he... Honestly, if he did not take the initiative to reveal himself to us, we'd never know anything about God. Mm -hmm. We'd know maybe about the sun, the moon, and the stars, but we wouldn't have any special knowledge of his character. We would be struggling. We'd be walking around in a bit of darkness, but he is so gracious and so good that he gives us light. And so... The names of God reveal the character of God, and it's God himself who wants to be known. Mm -hmm. That's what this thing is all about. That's the essence of the incarnation, isn't it? Absolutely. God makes himself known to humanity. And uh, now, in any serious discussion of God's names, we must understand that these names are windows into his character, nature, etc. And so there are two kinds of of ways to look at the character and the nature of God. Uh, we call these, in theological studies, attributes or characteristics. And there are two major kinds of attributes of God. There are what we call communicable attributes and incommunicable attributes. If uh, you ever read that great book by J.I. Packer, um, Knowing God, Bobby? Oh, for sure. Yeah. As a young believer, that was uh, one of the first books that I got my hands on. I mean, that is the one, and he does such a great job of explaining the communicable and incommunicable attributes of God. You see, when God created man in his image, he created man to be a little bit like himself. And so when we're made in the image of God, we are stamped with God's character, but not with every aspect of God's character, mm -hmm. certainly not with all of his attributes. So the attributes that God communicates to man 
are his communicable attributes, mm. not his incommunicable attributes. So just for a quick example, we will never be omniscient. Now we do meet know-it-alls in this life, but they don't, but they don't know it all. <laughs> so I wouldn't call it a good trait. Uh, so we can't be omniscient. We can't be omnipresent. Now I know uh, that's some mothers I know seem to be omnipresent. They're everywhere at one time. I, I don't know how they do it. My own wife has been like that. But, but omnipresence is not something that a human being can be or emulate or strive for. Omnipotent, all-powerful. Mm. I have met people who thought they were such, you know. Hopefully that wasn't me. But sometimes my kids think I was trying to be. But omnipotence, uh, even the greatest earthly king, from King David to King Solomon to no matter who it is, or we can list the Gentile kings, even Alexander the Great or Napoleon, none of them, with all of the trappings of power that they had in their court, none of them were omnipotent. Human beings cannot be omnipotent. We cannot emulate or exercise the incommunicable attributes of God because God never gave them to us. Mm -hmm. He never did. But he did give us capacity to be loving like him, to be just like him, to have grace like him, to be merciful and kind like him. Mm. God is the most phenomenal, awesome, incredible blend of justice, love, and mercy. I mean, we have the capacity to blend those characteristics as part of our own makeup and soul. But oh my gosh, it's so difficult uh, to do that. But God is a perfect balance of what might seem to us as human beings to be attributes or characteristics that are internally antithetical. They, they, they shouldn't reside in the same person. And yet they do in, in God himself. May I read one passage to just put all this into a right perspective. Genesis 1, 26 through 27. Then God said, let us make man in our image. That's not simply the royal we, which is what some people argue. Um, my dear friends, God wasn't speaking to the angels. This is a Trinitarian passage. It is evidence of the Trinity in the Hebrew scriptures. So let us make man in our image and according to our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So that's a little bit of power, but it's not omnipotence. It's very different than omnipotence. And then we read, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. So God created man in his image. What does that mean? It means that God stamped us with his moral, communicable attributes that enable us to be like him. But something got in the way. You know what that is, Bobby? Yeah, yeah, it's me. It's you, <laughs> right? It's us. It's our, our sin uh, that has ruptured 
the relationship. And, you know, Mitch, just to kind of summarize what you've said so far, what we've been talking about, uh, God is, right? God has attributes, God has characteristics, God has certain qualities. And we learn about what those qualities are, what those characteristics are through the scripture, through the word of God. And one of the ways that God reveals his nature, his characteristics, and all of that is through his names. And if we want to understand who God is, we look to understand what he's revealed about himself through his names. Yeah. I read a uh, something written by somebody wrote on the Gospel Coalition uh, blog, and he said, the communicable attributes of God serve as reminders that as different as God is from the world, God has created humans to reflect him in some aspects. Humans are images of God. I'll pause there for a moment. Humans are images of God. That means if you have an unsaved loved one, not putting the pressure on you, but there is pressure, that sometimes the only thing someone will know about God, but again, besides general revelation and the sun and the moon and the stars and all, all of that, which is important, but, the, but what somebody will know about the nature of God will actually come through knowing you. And that motivates me. It doesn't make me feel guilty or, or awful. It motivates me to allow God to transform me into his image each and every day, which is, which is the goal of the gospel. Uh, the goal of the gospel is, is, is for God to transform us. Mm-hmm. So we, we're, we, we look like him in his moral and communicable attributes. So God stamps his human creation with an imprint of many of his characteristics. Uh, there are a lot of great lists of the communicable and incommunicable attributes. Uh, there's a great book by uh, a Jewish believer, pr- professor at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, uh, John Feinberg, and it's entitled One Like Him, One Like Him. And of course, there's Knowing God by J.I. Packer and many other great books on doctrine and theology. Um, and so they're very helpful in understanding these. Charles Ryrie has a great book on theology where you can learn more about the attributes of God. Uh, what we're going to do in our study is we are going to learn about God's attributes and characteristics, both communicable and incommunicable, through his names. That's, that's our plan. And it kind of brings to life Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong to the Lord, our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our sons forever, that we may observe all the words of the law. So what we know about God from Scripture provides a wonderful basis for our relationship with God, and he gives us everything that we can act on in his word. It doesn't mean that he's told us everything. (laughs) I mean, anybody who says, gee, you know, I think I, I've read the Bible. I really know everything about God. No, you don't. You know exactly what God has revealed and we're responsible to know it, study it, and to have it impact our lives. When we know something about the character of God, Bobby, it needs to ultimately come out. It needs to impact our lives. So if we learn more about love by learning about God's love, then we need to be more loving. And the same with with mercy and the same with kindness and and so many of the other uh, attributes. God is the sum of all his attributes. But we 
do not get all of them. We just get the communicable ones. And we are responsible, based on Deuteronomy 29, 29, to understand those and to live in the light of his character so that his character is then shaped in ours. The Jewish people are scattered throughout the world. You might live in the middle of a Jewish community or in the middle of the heartland with no Jewish neighbors for a hundred miles. Maybe your best friend in college was Jewish or the only interaction you've had was watching a Jewish actor on TV. Maybe you visited Israel and fell in love with the land and its people, or you haven't, and visiting Israel would be a dream come true. No matter where you live, who you know, or what you do, one thing is true. Israel and the Jewish people have played a huge role in world history and are still an important part of God's plan. After all, God chose this tiny people group to bring salvation to the whole world. Through Messiah Jesus. If it weren't for the Jewish people, we would not have a relationship with the Father as we have it today. But sadly, many Jewish people still do not know Jesus as their Messiah, and God's heart still breaks for them. So let's join in their story, playing the role that God wants us to play in their salvation. As Paul wrote, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Romans 1.16 do you want to see the power of God? Unite with his heart to reach the Jewish people for Jesus, and you will see him unleash his purpose, promise, and power in your church and community like never before. Let's make God's priority our priority. Right now, we're going to hear from Len Rosenberg, who grew up in an Orthodox Jewish family. For those of you who know Joel Rosenberg and you've read his wonderful novels and uh, other pieces of literature that he's done. This is his dad. I think you're going to love his testimony. He's a good Jewish Brooklyn boy like me. My, uh, my mother's family came from Minsk. They escaped from the pogroms and uh, they brought their Orthodox Jewishness to America. And that's how I grew up, as an Orthodox Jew with a bar mitzvah, a Hebrew school, and all that went with that. Love didn't seem to be a part of the picture. Our whole household was uh, full of anger, uh, throwing things, yelling, slamming doors. I was uh, not loved nor was I loving. As soon as I could, when I uh, finished high school, I moved out of the house. I went to California, got married, had two children. I learned how to become an architect. People thought I was a very wonderful person, but at home, I was terrible. Well, I used to throw chairs, and I would say, I hate you, I hate you, to my wife just violent and angry, harsh words, ugly that way. The anger and uh, absence of self-control was, uh, was awful. I wanted to stop, but uh, I could not. Growing up, I learned nothing about Christianity, nothing about Jesus. I didn't learn too much about God either. When I was uh, about 19 years old, somebody recommended I go into town in, in San Diego and uh, buy a Bible. 
I opened it up and it said, I've told you, meaning God speaking, I've told you what is good and what I require of you, to love justice, to be merciful, and to be humble. This is the word of God, and I'm not doing one of those things, not humble, not merciful, and not just. In the New Testament, uh, I saw that uh, Jesus said, uh, come to me, all of you, all of you who are heavily burdened, who have trials and troubles, come to me and I will give you rest. And I realized without the help of God, the love of God, and the healing of God, I couldn't get there. I couldn't make things better. I think that was uh, uh, the greatest experience in my life, that understanding. I saw that uh, Jesus loves the Jewish people. He was born Jewish, he lived as a Jew, he preached and taught to the Jews. I started to move back to loving the Jewish people, my people, who I had rejected. And I saw that Jesus was rejected, but he continued to love back. I had no idea about this idea of forgiveness. And Jesus gave his life for mankind, for the world. That's how much he loved us. At Chosen People Ministries, our desire is to share the good news of Jesus, Yeshua the Messiah, with Jewish people in ways that are challenging, creative, and compelling. We can only accomplish this mission with the partnership, prayers, and financial support of listeners, like you, who have the desire and passion to reach out to Jewish people all over the country and enrich their lives with a message of hope and salvation. If that's you, please connect with us online. You'll find us at chosenpeople.com radio, or you can connect with us through the mail or over the phone. For those details and more, visit chosenpeople.com radio. Your partnership helps us continue the mission we started over 127 years ago. And for that, we say thank you. And we look forward to hearing from you soon. You're listening to The Chosen People, which is produced and sponsored by Chosen People Ministries. Thank you so much for joining us today. This ministry exists to pray for, evangelize, disciple, and serve Jewish people everywhere, and to equip believers to do the same. So if you'd like to know more about us, let me encourage you to stop by our website and explore. You'll find us online at chosenpeople.com radio. And we even have a free gift for you just for connecting with us today. That's right, Bobby. The book, great book, Why Israel, explores Israel through the lens of Scripture, bringing clarity to this sometimes controversial topic, such as, has the church replaced Israel and God's plan? Does Israel still have a hope for the future? What about the modern state of Israel today? This book by Tommy Fretwell is an introductory study about the role God's given to the Jewish people and the land of Israel. Tommy writes with spiritual passion and insight. I know you're just going to love this book. So we'll send this gift to you for free when you say hello at chosenpeople.com slash radio. You can also ask for the book, Why Israel? by Thomas Fretwell when you call us at 888-293-7482 or by writing to us at Chosen People Ministries, 241 East 51st Street in New York, New York, 10022. That's 241 East 51st Street, New York, New York, 
1-800-273-1022. And now let's wrap up today's program with the ironic benediction. Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmarecha Ya'er Adonai panavalecha v'yichunecha Yisa Adonai panavalecha V'yaseim lecha Shalom May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. May the face of the Lord shine upon you and give you peace. B'Shem Shel Yeshua HaMashiach, Sar Shalom, in the name of Jesus the Messiah, the Prince of Peace.